Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm back. (laughs) Welcome to what I'm calling Season 3 of Burnout. It's a podcast where I, Anupa Mystery, have short conversations about creative sustainability with working artists from Toronto and beyond. In April, I finished up a work contract and I took my ass to Jamaica, where I visited with Alana Stewart, who was living in Kingston for the winter and making a bunch of music. She's a new friend, even though we've known each other in passing for a long time now. Last year, Alana's band Bonje released the album Lush Life, which captures the beauty of living in a city with lots of different kinds of people. We sat down on her veranda, accompanied by a symphony of barking dogs, which you will hear. They get louder and louder as the episode progresses. And we talked about how Alana went from making music in abandoned Toronto to being in Kingston, building a solo body of work that's inspired by Feist and sound system culture. I mean, me being here is a matter of survival. It's not, it's not just about, you know, having a good time in the process. It's like I need to... I need a plan to transition back into Toronto and I don't want to live a life where I need to transition back into being home, mm-hmm. you know? My name is Elena Stewart. I'm a musician and and and. What's the and and and? Uh, you know, I feel like the and 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 is our projects and jobs that I try to keep as closely related to music as possible so I don't stray too far from my true ambition. Being a musician full time, that's my goal. Sometimes you have to make really hard decisions um, in life and sometimes you don't know what the right answer is until you do the thing or until you make the mistake. So we went to the beach today and I was like, should I have fry fish or should I have steam fish? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I went in and thought I knew what the answer was. And then I had the steam fish and and I was like, you know what, I just want that salty crispiness. And so... After making that mistake, I realized, just go for what you want in life. You know? Yeah. That was the lesson of the day. That so, was a joke answer, by the way. Well, <laughs> that's a good segue, actually, because we should set the scene. Mm. We are in Jamaica. Kingston. Kingston, Jamaica. And how how did this happen? How did this happen that we are in Jamaica and I'm recording an episode of this podcast, hopefully? Hell if I know. But I came to Kingston because I sing and make music in a band called Bonje. And our music is, is the foundation of what we do. It was a mix of dancehall. We'd take dancehall rhythms and then I'd sing the indie tunes I was hearing in my campus community radio yeah. and sing it on top. Yeah, I was making music in Canada for like white indie kids who might have heard dancehall in extended mix on the weekends. Yeah. Nobody's going to call me out on not speaking Patois properly or, yeah. you know, like I, in the crowds that we were performing for, I was the authority figure on Jamaican culture. And so, um, 
I didn't want to come to Jamaica and present Blanche's music. I was like, fuck that shit, man. You know, I don't know how it's going to be received. What did you think they would say? Or people would say? I thought it was white. I was just afraid. Yeah, I think the, more than anticipating any specific response, Jamaicans are real as fuck. And there's no polite, there's, there's not much diplomacy or politeness. It's not rudeness either. It's just, you know, if... It's straightforwardness. Yeah. As I've learned in the last uh, three days that yes. I've been here. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't mind the straight-upness, so long as that truth is the truth that I want to hear or need to <laughs> hear in that moment. You know, I would present music to certain music friends um, in Canada, and the response would never be, like, I'm feeling it or not or uh, this is the mood or the impression that it's making. It's like, the feedback was often you can't. I grew up listening to Missy and Timbaland. That's exactly how backup vocals are mixed. It's like two gossip folks gossiping right in your ear, you know? But I was told I can't, you know? Or there are too many vocal, too many um, rhythmic parts. And so it's too rhythmically dense. And I was listening to um, Snow featuring Nadine Sutherland and like an all-star crew of, of dancehall artists from the <laughs> 90s. It's such a classic. It's still, it still holds up decades later. And on the surface, it's a really simple song with only a few elements. But when you listen closely, there are all these hidden rhythmic parts. Women like whispering and all these little clicky clack bits and tucked in the back of the mm-hmm. ear when I was listening to music I wasn't just absorbing sound I was absorbing process how is it made in a way that is more intuitive but also how is it made in a way that is different from what you've experienced back home mm. funny saying back home I know it's like which home are you talking about being in Kingston back home is in Canada Yeah. and when I'm in Canada back home is a romantic a romanticized idea of Kingston. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I don't have the right to, to own it completely yet. But As an aside, I think it's important that we remember when Cecil was driving us from the airport. Yeah. You had said, uh, my friend, she's Canadian. Well, I mean, she's Jamaican. And he's like, was she born in Jamaica? No. Well, then she's Canadian. Yeah. But then he called you a real Canadian. He said, Alana's a real Canadian. And I was the first real Canadian that he had ever met. Yeah, and I looked back at you because I was just like, that's my first time hearing that being said about a not-white person. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is true, actually. Yeah. I shadowed Sly Dunbar, yeah. Sly and Robbie Fame in a studio, um, I think for a couple weeks, hours a day, and studio culture or music production isn't treated as a one-off where you know you rent a cottage in the woods and you escape from everyday life Mm. to create music he was there every day yeah and when I asked I was like so you know do you work in the studio every day he's like yeah man music is life music isn't just uh a career aspiration it's, mm-hmm. it's who you are it's what you do and everything revolves around 
making music work. I think I definitely realized something similar. I don't read as much as I should. I stopped having as much time for reading, and I was like, actually, if I want to write, I need to read all of the time. Because for me, when I want to when I want to make music, I will listen to certain records, kind of studying, but the fear is not wanting to copy at the same time. So how do you... I don't think it works that way, though, right? Because uh, it's like learning like the architecture of it or something yeah, like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then also just like conceptually, like I read a lot of stuff that feels kind of adjacent to some an idea I'm interested in, and I like the idea of like getting different perspectives to inform that. Um, and somehow find that it relates to something I'm writing about in music, you mm-hmm. know? Which I'm sure yours is too, right? Yeah. Or do you feel like it's harder to not be outright biting? No, no, because the, the, the musician I'm listening to could be listening to the same thing that I am, but they're hearing it or viewing it yeah. or absorbing it from a different perspective. Yeah. They have a whole other history and a whole other set of influences and a whole different character and mood or whatever that they're hearing this music through. And so the interpretation, the application of this thing that we're absorbing and consuming is dependent on the differences between us, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it actually probably, it does feel like what you're describing is the same as me. It's almost like the the question, like the moral question or like the the central thesis of whatever it is I'm trying to explore mm-hmm. is different from someone else's. Mm-hmm. Until a few years ago, I didn't realize that it's like, I use writing about music or arts as a way to like explore questions about how communities and identities relate to place and stuff like that mm. and kind of being able to unravel that like is feels really exciting you mm-hmm. know because it's like oh there is this thing that connects most not all but most of my work together yours might be okay how do you make dance hall and indie work it, it does remind me of this project that I'm working on this very project that I'm working yeah. on in Kingston where I'm doing what's called versioning. So in, in Jamaican music, versioning is what we might call a cover, cover song. Yeah. Um, but my versioning that I'm doing, I'm doing Jamaican versions of songs by women who've in, influenced my career. But the core song, as in like melody and lyrics, um, they're all essentially the same. But I'm interpreting it, I'm reimagining it through my experience as a bass and... and um, hard kick drum lover mm-hmm. you know so the music around it is completely different am I copying or am I reinterpreting am I influenced or am I derivative it's it's literally not the same song mm-hmm. you know so I think it is possible to kind of be all those things to be inspired and to emulate you know Kate Bush is not going to sound She's not going to sound the same, you
again, trying to learn how to create dancehall music. Um, has made me realize how Canadian I am in the musical references I'll bring to the studio or demos that I bring in I, to one of my mentor studios. Um, his name is Hugh Lynch. He goes by Nose, N-O-Z-E. He's the engineer at Beat Man Studio. And um, I brought in what I thought was a song with too much bass. He's like, yeah, man, the bass just right. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? I thought that we'd have to EQ that so that it's not overwhelming. He's like, that's how bass is supposed to be. Because he's used to hearing it on a proper sound system, yeah. outdoors, where sound regulations be damned and sound curfew be damned. You know, you want, you want it to pummel you. And I'm used to hearing it on a PA system at a rock venue or something like yeah. that. There are sound systems in Canada, but it's just... It's not the default. It's not the norm. But I think another difference between being here in Kingston and being in Toronto is that it doesn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. Like this conversation that we're having doesn't really matter in a sense. It's mm -hmm. like it matters more that I show up and I finish the songs. Yeah. It matters more that I'm making music every day. It's not, you know overly conceptualized and what's the marketing plan and the rollout and what's the target demographic it's like this confidence this natural jamaican braggadocio i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna make a bad tune and everybody's gonna love it and it's gonna sound like nothing you've ever heard before and that's the point is to create something that you've never heard before not to create not to replicate what's worked it's like how can i be innovative you are kind of living this life that, you know, so many people we know at home want. You're also down here for personal stuff too. Mm -hmm. But also, yeah, like it affords you time and space to live at a different pace. Mm -hmm. And and everything that Kingston is about slows you down in some ways. Right. You know, you Good luck finding a restaurant, an affordable restaurant after 5 p.m. After that, it's like dinner date type restaurants that are open or fast food. Taking public buses is, is pretty complicated. And so, you know, I can only get around so fast without a car. I'm not going to say the stereotype is true. I'm going to say in my experience that tardiness is an issue that requires a lot of patience and just slowing down and waiting. So there are certain like cultural, social norms that have contributed to the pace. There's also different values here, no? Mm-hmm. Like music is life, so it doesn't have to like devastate your life, right? Yeah. It's an enjoyable part of your life, and it is something that you can build a routine around. Government supports music here. They know that music is what put Jamaica on the map. Mm -hmm. Rum only goes so far, you know, even we is like, you can get that anywhere, but the music is really what sets Jamaica apart. I applied for a grant, yeah, and it's afforded me being here. I mean, I had a very clear idea of what it was that I wanted to accomplish, yeah. and I was able to articulate it in a way that, you know, a jury could understand, okay, this person knows themselves, they know this community, and there's a clear... A clear path towards a potential but clearly 
defined outcome. And it's important. It, it can't just be like, well, you know, Jamaica, Jamaica has such great music, and I'm a musician, and I just feel like I just want to go there and be inspired. Yeah. My father is Jamaican, and I grew up in a West Indian household, and my music is inspired by Jamaican music, but I feel so distanced from this culture that is mine and this inspiration that informs what I do made me realize how limited I am in understanding it and it's limited my expression of it my interpretation of it um, and I'm coming up against uh, I'm coming up against resistance towards what feels like an intuitive process for me because I'm surrounded by people who don't understand yeah. this music and they don't understand me I need to go there and see what it brings out you know these are the areas I want to go to. These are the people I want to speak to. This is why I want to speak to them. And this is what I'm hoping to achieve from it. This is how long I think it's going to take and this is how much I think it's going to cost. Does that make sense to you? It took a lot of research and a lot of time, you know. And even then I came and it's just like, yeah, Jamaica's like, yeah, good luck with your plans, you know. You, you used to have to have an idea, but also be open. parts were suppressed by being in a community that yes communicated appreciation of me and you know included me on some level but didn't deeply understand me so they could only push certain sides of me you know so I'm, I'm gonna learn how to engineer so I could re record my own vocals I'm gonna learn how to produce so I can produce my own music but really it was so that I could participate in the conversation and if I use the same certain kind of language, then I would be taken seriously. And even then, I'm still a vocalist. That's primarily how I'm perceived. Oh, I'm a black woman, so when I sing really loud and high, in high keys, it's like, oh, well, that's what black women do. You know, the soulful diva kind of trope. But it's just, it's just that that's what people expected of me and didn't really seem to expect anything else whereas when I came to Jamaica I can I could talk on a producer to producer level just as an artist to artist level I mean me being here is a matter of survival it's not a, it's not just about you know having a good time in the process it's mm -hmm. like I need to I need a plan to transition back into Toronto and I don't want to live a life where I need to transition back into being home mm -hmm. you know for this trip I really wanted to leave with a certain skill set but also I wanted to finish something giving something back to the Jamaican community like look this is what you inspired you know this is this is the student that you taught this mm -hmm. is from you life in Toronto for me now looks like 
how can I like build something sustainable here that allows me to like live my life in a way where writing is like a part of it every day and yoga and like the people in my life who make me happy mm. I still feel ambitious but it does I don't feel like I'm being swallowed by my ambition and mm. I don't feel like I'm letting outside forces stimmy my ambition I need to create the conditions for me to be happy so that I can do this work every day. Mm. And I think, like, you found that here, you yeah. know? When you talked about want, not wanting to be a slave to your ambition, I feel that way in Toronto. And I don't feel yeah. that way in Kingston. Mm. There isn't that music is life mm. um, mentality. I, I don't touch music all that much. Mm. But I think something that I don't talk about that I've never talked about publicly anyways, that I can't work 12-hour days like I used to in the studio. The studio is my absolute favorite place to be in the entire world. I can work on a hi-hat for like four hours straight until it's right, and that does not annoy me, you know. I've been working in studios since I was 14 years old. But I got hit by a car three and a half years ago, and I suffered a concussion, and... Um, that was like towards, I think around the middle of, of reworking Bonjay's album. And um, I remember feeling really triumphant about recording the vocals and finishing the vocals for Lush Life. Now we could go on to final mixing. I felt, my head felt fucked up from working those hours, fucked up. It was like a couple months after the accident and um, yeah my head hasn't really been the same since and so part of the reason why I can only work a couple hours a day is because I, I have a physical limited m mental capacity before um, certain symptoms start kicking in showing face and networking and all these things that you have to do to maintain people's interest to make music before you even touch the music that I don't have time for. Mm -hmm. I don't have resources for, and I don't have the mental capacity for. I think I was afraid that I would go away and be forgotten. And then I found that like, when I show up, it's kind of, you picked up where you left off. People don't forget you once you're honest and people respect me. I think that people respect Bonjay and appreciate us and respect us as artists and that's a beautiful thing but um, I don't know how much people care but um, yeah I think coming to Jamaica I think maturing I think um, releasing Lush Life I think um, getting hit by a car <laughs> and being limited by a concussion everything's had to shift and I've had to reconsider um, how I prioritize my time who I give my energy to and um, just being grateful that my god my body got hit by a car and I survived it's, it's you know it's not as though I had a, a necessarily a near-death experience but it does make you stop and and think about how you want to spend your your life and I'm a musician there's just no denying that I'm a musician 
And so why am I in Kingston? It's because this is where I can be one. I can't, I can't deny those feelings. I've tried. <laughs> I would like to work more, be able to work longer hours and yeah. Thanks for listening to Burnout. I'm still having a lot of fun doing this. It's not on a regular schedule, but I love having these conversations and I love sharing them with you. I want to give a shout out to Harry Nazen at Apollo Studios, Vocal Fry Studios, and Anaba Duncan for helping me with the recording. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends and also subscribe to my newsletter, which is also called Burnout. You can find that at anupa.substack.com. That's A-N-U-P-A substack.com Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare insurance plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're say between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com. 